smells dope. Everybody, please put hey. a thumb in the air. Hey everybody, how you doing? Well, that's good. Welcome to the 300th episode of Broad Street Hockey Radio. That's right, BSH 300. My name is Bill Matz. I'm your director of fun and games for the evening. It was uh, 2016 when the four of us got together for the very first time to do BSH number 79. And now we're on BSH number 379. I can't believe we haven't killed each other. I can't believe the team hasn't killed us. Uh, but here we are. <laughs> here we are, uh, still covering yours, mine, and our Philadelphia Flyers 300 episodes later. So let's get right into it and lead things off with the fly by yourself, Kelly Hinkle. I think what's m- more remarkable than us doing 300 episodes of this show is that somehow we managed to do 79 of the old Broad Street Hockey Radio, which was, if you were not there, which you probably weren't. Because um, no one was. It was me and Kurt and sometimes Albert and sometimes uh, some other random people. We would call in from our phones into some service. I forget the name of it that would record the podcast for us like through our phones. So at the time I was calling in from my landline at my first house on my couch and we would talk to each other. On our phones, couldn't see each other. There was very rarely anything resembling an outline. The fact that 79 of those episodes were produced is astonishing. Will I go back and listen to any of them? No, that sounds terrible. I wanted to at one point, but they're not on our feed. We start Ah, with number 79. All right, that's that's real shame. I'm very they sorry. They can be are... found. Let's not, though. They can be found on the website broadstreethockey.com. Oh, you just have to dig for them a lot. The way that you could tell that we were talking to each other on a telephone, it was just, we had no I idea what we were doing before Stefan Dill came along. <laughs> in quite a few of those very early podcast episodes, and they were entertaining they were definitely entertaining they were fun uh now at the athletic.com but when we started he was just a fucking blogger charlie (laughs) o'connor it really has been it's been a fun ride um and i think we'll we'll certainly go into like our memories of all this um i mean how the fact that we've been doing this for over half a decade which is wild um, but I do want to, you know, just off the bat, just thank all the listeners, you know, for for plugging along yeah. with us. Um, no matter when you came on, you know, when you you sort of jumped on the uh, the bandwagon, whether it was back in 2016, whether it was halfway through, whether it was this year, um, you know, we wouldn't be able to do this without uh, without everybody who uh, who listens to the show, um, people who signed up for our Patreon way back when. Um, <laughs> so, oh my uh, God, the Patreon. It's, it's, it's the been Patreon around. Who, bought me a lot of dinners I couldn't afford. Yeah, who remember the, <laughs> uh, the, the, the drunk shows? Taco dinner Patreon nights. I miss it so much. Me too, because you guys would kick cook for us. 
It was no, no, no. mostly Kelly. Kelly, would Kelly. Cook for us. Well, there was none you, of me. Involved. You hosted. You, you would host. <laughs> I hosted. Yeah. I hosted. Kelly cooked. But uh, I, ju- I just want to thank all the listeners because um, I think we've created a really, uh, a really cool little community here. And uh, we really and it have. It wouldn't be possible without, uh, you know, without all the people that listen to the show. So, uh, so thanks for uh, for sticking with us. It's much appreciated. That's like. I'm very proud of uh, the shows we've done and, you know, the, the listeners we've gathered, but just the community of, you know, when we started, uh, there weren't Flyers podcasts. That's why I wanted to start one. Like, I was a person who was tired of saying, I wish they'd talk about hockey on Sports Talk Radio. And I was like, wait a minute, I have a fucking computer and it's, you know, the year 2015. I can probably <laughs> figure this out. Uh, and now there's a ton. So if you listen to us, if you listen to us and a bunch of others, that's all. It's just cool that this is how far we've come in being able to like represent hockey in a space where traditional media just kind of ignores it because it's it's hockey, you know. It's it's fucking ice hockey. They they have knives on their feet. They don't really talk about it in in the mainstream. And now it's on ESPN, so they do a little more because they have to. But it's, yeah. it's still like yeah. not everyone's favorite sport. Yeah, and and one of the cool things too is like you know. Yeah, I think a lot of us wish that, say, hockey was talked about more on, like, Philly Sports Radio or talked about more intelligently on Philly Sports Radio. Bill, I know you're uh, you're, you're fighting the good fight on that front. I was so going to say, it is Keep now. it up, buddy. Keep it up, buddy. But, <laughs> I, but, but I think one of the cool things about a podcast is that you can reach people that aren't in the Philadelphia area who are Flyers fans or are maybe just hockey fans. Like, so I was – I'm currently in Boston. I'm recording this on the road. Um, I covered uh, a Boston College game on Tuesday night because I'm Ooh. working on a feature on uh, on Flyers first round pick Hunter Gauthier. But I was up in the the press box, which is basically just like a little area above <laughs> the stands, which is the way it's it is in most college arenas. And literally, the two people I was sitting next to, both of whom are based in Boston, both told me that they are regular listeners to BSH Radio because they are both Flyers fans. Oh my and god, that's so neat! And that was so cool. It was really, really cool. And I um, that. and it's just one of those things where like it, it makes you take a step back and realize just like what the reach of a podcast like ours can be and that you know people who who live in other cities maybe even live in other countries are able to stay connected to the team through us and i think that's really cool last but certainly not least my broadcast partner in crime stephalicious d steph driver that's exactly what charlie was just saying that's exactly why i do what i do like any one of us any one of us could just show up in a country in North America, Europe, Asia, Australia, just like show up and we'll find a Flyers fan. Like they'll be, they'll be somewhere and they'll know who we are. Like, and that's amazing. We, we recently, now you know we've had the Australian callers before on post game. We, uh, mm-hmm. we have a New Zealander now. Oh, oh we sure do. And we've got a Kiwi. It's, it's wild. That's a good like, accent. And it's funny because like accent. we, if you see the, um, whatever that service is that provides like the the podcast download numbers and like breaks them down and then like shows you countries. It's like you have 11, you have 11 listeners in Bulgaria. And like, there's some people over here and like, why are we so big in New Zealand? Like, why is this, a, <laughs> why is this a thing? It's one like, guy. Yeah. It's one guy who's it's just like, listening to our shows. Suddenly a it's New amazing. Zealand listener shows up and we're like, holy, like, it's not just the four of us bullshitting. This is weird. There's people everywhere who listen to this thing. And it's 
It's been awesome. Now, this isn't like an obituary. I don't think we're going away. Uh, <laughs> um, as much no. as the team, as much as the team would, uh, you know, uh, their play would dictate that they don't need, you know, several hours of content each week like we provide. Uh, we're going to keep doing it. But it, it's just a, a moment, this 300th episode. Uh, what's up, Steph? I want to take a moment to just really appreciate really appreciate our director of fun and games, Bill Matz. Like this is, he introduces us every single week. He talks us up every single week, but let's talk about the evolution of Bill Matz since we started this (laughs) podcast six years ago. Let's talk about the evolution of Bill Matz, who was essentially living on couches and garages (laughs) and is now Married to the most amazing woman, owning a house, and is literally carving a path for himself through sports radio in Philadelphia. This podcast, I just want to, like, I was doing some other stuff, by the t- but, like, I bought a house last July, and it's mostly because I have this podcast. Like, that's coming out of the pandemic. I lost my other jobs. You know, I, like, oh, I'm a remote tech for uh, for WIP. Guess what didn't exist? Remote broadcasts, because you weren't allowed to go anywhere for two years. Like, <laughs> I, I was, like, I was allowed to, like, have a steady income with this show for a long... Like, when we started, I was working in a warehouse shipping band t-shirts and, like, getting high watching Trailer Park Boys every day do, at work. And now, like, I, I, I get to do this. Like, this is this is what I wanted to do, and I'm doing it, and it's fucking sick. And you're so good at it. You are so good at it. Not only do you keep us all in line in various ways, depending on who's on the show, but you pace it perfectly and you get us prepared, whether it's five minutes ahead of time or five (laughs) hours ahead of time. You make sure that we know what we're talking about and we stay on track and you are the best in the business and you don't get the recognition for that and you deserve it. And Steph says five minutes ahead of time because before, Five minutes before we hit record is when I sent this week's outline. <laughs> I mean, it still counts. Yeah, I, I we are who we are as people. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. I, it's all fine. Yeah, I don't know if people know that literally every single one of these three hundred shows was put together and planned by Bill Matz. Like ninety percent of it. Like we'll add to the outlines. Charlie does a lot of adding to the outlines particularly during like training camp and stuff when he's the one seeing the players. Um, but 90% of the, the show existing is because Bill sends us an outline every week and then we know what we're talking about. You, and then Kelly kinda, produces it, <laughs> yeah. which is another thing that Kelly doesn't get any, any credit for. Kelly produces it all. That's Hey, after 300 which, episodes. Like, there's, there's so many things that happen behind the scene to make this show what it is and you know anyone and and I say this like with all honesty anyone can do a podcast anyone can record a podcast but it's a very 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 select few that can run a successful podcast for as many years as we have without any major meltdowns except for my own like we the way that we work together is it's rare. Like the chemistry that we have together is unique and it's rare. And I appreciate all of you for all of the work that you put in and the listeners for God damn it, putting up with us and this fucking team for so that's, many you years. Know, like, that's the, that's the craziest thing is it, like, 
the show, I, I went back and listened to a bunch of archives uh, the last week, like trying to get prepared for this and just kind of like thinking about what what we've done in these 300 episodes. And like, the talking points haven't changed that much. <laughs> the team is That's kind so of fucked. exactly You're the same. <laughs> God. <laughs> oh, hey, you know, they're playing better. Ah, shit, they're on a losing streak. Oh, you know what? They should probably play this young guy over this old vet who sucks. Like, it's it's been the same stuff. Oh, they might make the playoffs. Oh, uh, you know, they lost in the playoffs. It's, it's... Why is Lappy still a head <laughs> person amazing. in this organization? Charlie... I Charlie, like, seriously. The episodes that I went back, I went back to listen to that Tyrell Goldborn episode where like 20 minutes after we finished, they called him up and yeah. I, I took all credit for it. And like <laughs> on that show, you're like, I don't get how this guy is employed. And now he's like in charge of a team. <laughs> he's moved <laughs> up. Promoting him. <laughs> and they don't promote him to like ambassador of handshakes and take your teeth out at pictures. It's... It's he runs the fucking <laughs> phantoms. <laughs> oh, you it's couldn't do wild. a penalty kill. How about a whole team? <laughs> you gotta just, love this team, man. It's truly going back and listening to this shit. Like, it's very funny to listen to us like early on and some of the things we're hopeful about and some of the and then just the state of the team. Like, God damn it. What is the matter with these people? It's a totally different regime now, and some well, sorta, but and somehow like they're making all the same mistakes. We've uh, been telling them for six years what they need to do. Literally, any one us. of us could have—I'm not going to say done better, but at least matched what they've done, <laughs> which is nothing. Any one of us would yeah. have simply hired the people that know what they're doing and then got out of their way, so we would automatically have done better uh, than what that, they're doing here. It's, but it's just been, it's been really funny, and I uh, i appreciate everyone here. The Tyrell Goldborn episode, I, I really hope people go back and listen to that one, because uh, it is, it's honestly hilarious. Like, I was dying cracking up listening to that show. Uh, there's just so what much- What number is it, just so people have reference? Oh, I did the article about it last week. I will not be able to remember Hold that. On. I'm going to broadstreethockey.com to see if- uh, Oh, I love that website. See if it's- <laughs> It's a pretty good website. I've heard it's real good. Where is it? I had the email up a second ago. It was BSH number. Oh, no, that's not it. Just kidding. Yeah, I can't. It was January 3rd. Hold on a sec. BSH 141. Hey, yo. 141. Christ almighty, we were on camera. Oy. Yeah, there's there's video oh, in this no. article. Oh, this man. Oh, no. I forgot we, we did that for a while. This yeah, is when we were at Wildfire, so there's, like, a video. There's, like, I in the article I wrote, like, eight minutes, and that's the part where I talk about Ty- calling up Tyrell Goldborn. Yeah, that's right. We did, like, eight minutes on that. Uh- <laughs> remember when we uh, remember when we did the show right after the Eagles won the Super Bowl, and oh. we brought B- Brian Culture on, and we literally just spent the whole show yes. talking about the Eagles? Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I forgot about it for like a second but he he bought me an engraved wine glass like with my name and, and Philadelphia Eagles champions and he gave it to me during that show so that I will never forget but I, I did forget that we did a whole episode just on the Eagles <laughs> well there's right after like the week after the Eagles won the Super Bowls when we went to Vegas for the yeah. for, yeah. for their inaugural yeah. season oh, I the remember Flyers that first one. game there and like we had to, like I went basically from the Eagles Pro Shop, getting all my shit, throwing it in my suitcase 
to like getting on the plane. <laughs> and it was like that was such a good time and we got to do like somebody flew us to Vegas and let us host parties and do all this shit like because we do this. Like <laughs> it's crazy. It's, it's been absolutely freaking uh just just incredible. It really has. It really has. I will tell and then you. the pandemic happened, so we had to kind of yeah. take a step back, but like we were rolling for a while there. That was awesome. We pumped out a lot of content during that pandemic too. Oh my god. Yeah. We, we we had shows about movies and music and like we were just I, doing I, I wish I had the time to still do that I show. Know. That was a fun I show. I fucking loved that show, Charlie. It was so fun. We we can you know, we can find time, even if it's a weekend a month. Listen, yeah. Charlie Let, ba- Bear just, just let his opinions known. I don't know if you up. guys heard him, but he said no. Yeah, Bear's <laughs> like, uh, would you let Charlie Bear live a life? No. Like, please, please. Don't I will tell you. Obligations. In in these three hundred episodes, there is one thing that was just downright horrible, uh, and it was that intro we had. The Flyers are a team. They, uh, the, uh, that was the How dare you? worst How? thing. Of, that was I, the best. That was Are you amazing. kidding me? I hated it so much. <laughs> they play are a sport. Are you kidding me? I could, I could recite that song <laughs> yeah. right now. The Flyers are a team. They play a sport called hockey. We're going to talk about the hockey team known as the Flyers. It's fucking Score great. a goal. The Flyers win a game. The Flyers <laughs> score a goal and then win the game. The Flyers. It's Thank you very much for listening to the show. <laughs> In case you didn't know. Something, something, Broad Street Hockey Radio. In case you didn't know, it's Broad Street Hockey Radio. Oh, my God. So all of those songs, including the one that we still use as our outro, were all written and played by Albert Klein, who (laughs) is not, he doesn't write for Broad Street Hockey anymore. He's still certainly a friend of the the pod, of Of the the site. Of the Slack chat. But the fact that he, and literally it just... In our Slack chat, he just started talking about how he's, like, messing around with his music equipment. And then he just started literally delivering us these random, <laughs> hilarious, like, intro and outro songs. And, like, he's, like, a full-fledged adult. He had, like, kids. Yeah. And he's he just screaming kid. nonsense in his garage. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's recording yep. that outro song in his bedroom with his wife downstairs. Like, why is this happening to me? When he's just shrieking because <laughs> he's doing full-on metal god mode in yeah. that song. And now he's like literally a famous woodworking artist, like in magazines and shit. He's amazing. It, it's it's wild. Well, I think that so the story behind it. those songs was that there was this other podcast that was not a Flyers podcast. Oh yeah, the, it was the it Philly was, Four. Sports yeah, it was like the the Four Philly Sports podcast, and they had these intros that were so hilariously bad. And, like, I don't know the people who who do the show, so I don't know if it was meant to be tongue-in-cheek, but my interpretation was that it was meant to be serious, which made it even funnier. And then we thought it was the greatest thing ever, so then Albert's like, I gotta make you guys some of these, like, intentionally awful songs to use as the intros and outros to your show. And we got we got the ones we had, which I thought were great. I thought both of them were great. Oh, I Bill think eventually, the outro was great. Bill eventually won out and got the intro kicked out and brought back Knock Knock, which I feel like Knock Knock now has a little bit more of like a sentimental thing because yeah, of uh, you know, Mac Miller passing away. But so now it's like, you know, okay, that that fits for me. I was annoyed when we killed the first intro, though, because that intro to me was amazing. I like. The, I was annoyed too. I like the outro a lot. I think it's great. I just 
That thing was horrible. That that <laughs> it was just it was so online. You, you, Steph, was, you tell us all the time we need to talk about Twitter less because it's not where our audience all is. Like that song was so fucking online. <laughs> it was a bit online. You're not wrong. Fuck. You just called me out, and you were right. <laughs> Shit. Um. You missed, I don't think you heard it, Bill, but we all heard Albert had a really bad sophomore album. The The hit single was I Wanna Fuck the Goal Horn. It was really bad. It was bad. <laughs> it, it, it was, was really bad. very familiar. It, it was the have... difficult, the difficult sophomore record, you know. The difficult sophomore release. It's tough to follow was up bad. record. He tried. He tried. What has And then he came back around with um there was an action news. He did an action news song. The action so, like, news the third, was excellent too. Was yeah. Oh my god. I don't even know. Do you think that listeners of the show right now even understand the significance of knock knock to the team? I think so. I think a lot of people were I think a lot of current Flyers fans probably came on during that 2010 cup run yeah and so, you? like that's like the last really relatable fun yeah. team no i know it. is that 2012 but, like team. there's a lot of younger uh, like megan wouldn't know the small I, I children ag- probably don't yeah. know i, I but... would agree that there is there's probably a larger group than we realize that does not understand the backstory of knock knock because they've gotten into the team relatively recently or even gotten into hockey relatively recently. So you know how the Phillies were doing yeah. the cover of the Robin song as their song? It, it got to be... Dancing on my own. Dancing yes. on my own. Yeah, the, the Flyers, during the 2010 Cup run... Was it the Cup the, run where they started? I thought it was the 2012 season. I thought it was during the Cup run I season. I thought it was when that, first, the, that first year they, with, no, with no Richards and Carter and with Giroux... And that, that's like, what I remember too. Oh yeah, it was whenever they did the behind that Winter Classic show. team. Yes, yeah, yes. yeah, the Winter yeah, Classic. The yep. Winter yeah. Classic. That's what it was. My bad. The Yager so, team. Yeah, yeah, so they did the twenty four seven, the 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 HBO show that followed hockey teams around before the Winter Classic, and at one point they show them after a win, and they're playing knock knock in the locker room. And there's just a lot of fun and dancing happening. And then people started playing Knock Knock after the Flyers won, the same way people started playing Dancing on My Own after the Phillies won. And then it just kind of became like a thing for that team. And it was, yeah, and it, that's like, it was a fun, relatable team. They had just been to the Cup a few years before. Giroux is coming into his own, like it's the first yeah. year without Richards and Carter, and he's just... Basically, he should have been MVP that year. I have no idea how that happened, that he wasn't even a finalist. But just propels them to uh, to the playoffs. Has that ridiculous series against the Penguins. Has the shift against Crosby, all that. And it was it was that team that, that made that song. And it's the last time they were fun for an extended period of time. <laughs> this will always have you, January to was, March. Who was the guy that was dancing? Who is the guy in the video that's Kevin dancing? Marshall? Knock knock. Yeah, Kevin, Kevin Marshall. Marshall. Was it Kevin, Kevin Marshall? Marshall. Yeah. Thank you. I knew it was a Kevin, but I couldn't remember his last name, and I knew that it was no, someone that no one else would remember. That's it's. I knew Kelly had that one. All right. Uh, do we have anything else we want to say about that, or do we need to talk about the current stupid fucking team? 
I have I have a couple things okay, that I want to talk about, and then we'll, let's take a break, and then we'll get into the current team. Like this, the first half is reminiscing. Yeah. How long have we been? It's been a while. Twenty three minutes. We're reminiscing. Okay. Um. So you mentioned Giroux, <laughs> and now I've just got I've got to talk about it. Like we've been covering the man since he became captain, since before he became captain, until his departure and then return as a not flyers and it's just it's a it's a character arc that I did not anticipate it is a it's it's a situation that I didn't think we would ever have to be in but watching Claude Giroux shove Carter Hart's goal stick back to him in the middle of a game in Ottawa that dude's still Philly that dude is still Philly you know uh Claude Giroux has played 15 games this year. He's got points in 12 of them. Uh-huh. He stinks. He's still quite good. He's on pace I for like fight. 40 goals. He's like killed. one of the hills that I will die on is Chuck Fletcher absolutely did not have to trade him at the end of at, at the trade deadline last year. He, he absolutely did not, but he was pressured into it and it was a mistake. Uh, it's It was over. It was time. Like, I don't see it. Well, I mean, do we need to get it? I don't know if we need to get into it, but the mistake was that when Chuck Fletcher, yes, when you trade your superstar captain at the end of his contract, that's when you start the fucking rebuild. Like, that's the first (laughs) move in the rebuild. Like, we did the first move and then didn't do any of the other moves. Like, that's the mistake. If you're going to trade Claude Giroux, that's a signal that you're going to do a thing. We were just like, now nah, we're going to trade him, uh, but also Nick Delorier. Yeah, yeah, here you go. And, and, <laughs> and re-sign Rastros the Yeah, Rastros the and, and Sandheim. Yeah. Here's long-term deals. Yeah, like... like right. What? What? <laughs> what? <laughs> oh, no, there's a lot of teams. We had to give up a first-round pick. Other teams are willing to do it for Rastros and That means you could have got one, too. It's really, really hard <laughs> to be a general manager, guys. It's really hard. You wouldn't even know. Uh, I just... The direction, uh, I, uh, I know. And that's know. What, three general managers, four general managers. How many? I would love to do the stats. Like, how many general managers have we made it through? How many coaches? It's have like we five made it coaches. It's only three GM. Yeah, yeah, and that's yeah, that's right. Three general managers. Yeah, only three. Paul, and that, and that, Ron, that, that, yeah, Chuck. that's to say that's if you're counting the the brief tenure of the brief return of Paul Holmgren in between the two. Oh, we're always going to count that because <laughs> we have to. Was Ron? Was Ron? Yeah, yes. Ron Hextall was the GM when we started. Yeah, 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 yep. yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yep. yeah. Okay. So really, it's like two full time GMs, mm-hmm. and uh, you and you and I, Bill, had done a lot about Paul before. Yes, yeah, Paul yes, that was previously. Um, yeah, it's <laughs> they still <laughs> they just don't have a plan, and that's like I want to talk about that more. When we get to the uh, to the actual now flyers, because I've talked a lot about Johnny Goudreau on social media recently, and people have you know made a good point about like, well, look at Columbus. What would this team actually be with him? No better. And yeah, that might be true, but we'll get into it. Uh, do we have anything else on the uh, the three hundredth episode? I love you, people. That's all I have to say. This has been a lot of fun. Uh, it's been yeah. I mean, like, the idea that it's 300 episodes, like, first of all, 
post games, checking out the competition. Flyperbole now is on our feed. Like all the Patreon content that we've done, we are closer to a thousand than like there's like two thousand episodes at least on our bro- on our yeah. fucking feed. Uh, but this is as I always say, the flagship show, BSH Radio, rhymed again. Uh, <laughs> three hundred of just these is pretty fucking awesome. Uh, and all everything else along the way, you know, festivist parties, draft parties, getting to go to Vegas, all the uh, you know trade deadline shows, all sorts of great stuff. It was made possible because the four of us were like, "Hey, let's do a podcast about the hockey team, the Flyers." And <laughs> fucking six years later, here we are. All right, we are gonna uh, we're gonna take a quick break here, and on the other side, we will talk about the. 2022-23 Philadelphia Flyers and Ew. all that goes along with that. So uh, hang out through this advertisement for a product and or service and then, uh, you know, hockey. All right, fam, welcome back. We have already done the uh, the intros and all that, but it's kind of a reset of the show. So uh, I'm going to just lead off with my, like what I would do, you know, at the top, my little monologue. And I got a lot, you know, a lot of people agree with me about Johnny Goudreau that you just do it. When a superstar wants to play for your team, you just make it happen. And I, you know, if if Rasmus Ristolainen is worth a first-round pick in your eyes, then trading one, even if it's not trading one to acquire Goudreau, it's trading one to open up the cap space to acquire him, you're still, in essence, doing the same thing Johnny Goudreau is worth more than a first-round pick if Ristolainen is. Like, he's worth, I don't know, a zero, like, an an A++ round, you know? Like, if this is the game we're playing. But regardless of all that, it is true that it's not like Columbus is fucking undefeated and going to the stand. No one's picking them to go to the Stanley Cup final. They're actually kind of underachieving, considering what they did last year. Like, they were, like, an 80-some point team, and now they're sub-500. Uh... What would the Flyers have gained by adding Johnny Goudreau? One, I'd like to say, well, you know, if Carter Hart is as good as we think he is and we have a superstar, they would have gained a lot of W's because uh, this team can't <laughs> score. Uh, but if Fair point. If they were, as, as we said earlier, you know, they make the Giroux trade. It's over. It's emotional. The longtime captain is uh, still a star in this league. He's killing it right now for Ottawa. If you're going to move on from him, the face of the franchise, easily the best player on the team. Then you do it all. You blow it the fuck up. And if that had been yes. the plan, if if that had been the plan, all right, yeah, getting Johnny doesn't make any sense. You're right. You're absolutely right. That's true. Going and giving a guy nine-plus million dollars for seven years makes no sense when you don't plan on competing for the first part of that contract. And we know... Long-term contracts are bad at the end. Like, basically, all free... You don't hit free agency until at least 27. Johnny turns 30 next year. I get it. It would have been a bad idea. But since that's not the plan, you know, since they not only traded for, but then extended Rasmus Rasmus Ristolainen, since they gave an eight-year deal at market value to Travis Sanheim, since they gave a fighter four years with trade protection, and, let us not forget, hired John Tortorella, who, yeah, yeah right. he's here, 
John Tortorella's here to instill culture, and I think that'll have a longer-lasting effect on, like, the organization as a whole than it does, like, the current players who are here, except for a few of them who might be a part of the future. But he is, like, he's a fucking senior citizen who doesn't have much longer to coach. Like, he's closer to the end than the beginning. He's a win-now hire. You did all these things. That means you're interested in competing. So you go out and get the superstar who wants to help you do that. It's that simple. The dude's fucking awesome. We saw him twice in the last week. You don't think he could help this team that can't score? You Like, I, I just... It's so maddening all over again. And the fact that we're going to have to see him so often for the next seven yeah, years right. is incredibly frustrating. I hope he sticks it up their ass every time he gets the shot. Like... That it appears game, he's going to. Yeah, that first game was <laughs> perfect. I oh, wish was. he scored. I wish he scored ten goals. I really do. Uh, it was just by far there was nobody close to him on either team, especially after Wierenski got hurt on his level. No one. On, he was the best player on the ice, and number two didn't exist. I, I. It was perfect, and also so frustrating. Because, man, you obviously don't have a plan. Because if you did, either no one would be here or Johnny Goudreau would be here. And you went with neither. Yeah. I mean, it was the easiest article I've had to write all year was after that first Flyers-Blue Jackets game. (laughs) It was just like, this is so simple. The storyline is so obvious that, like... Because, I, I mean, and I, I made this point in the article that, you know, Chuck Fletcher obviously rightfully took a lot of shit in the offseason for what he did and didn't do. This season so far, until that point, there really weren't that many opportunities, aside from maybe the, the wrist line and scratching, where he really <laughs> looked like he had egg on his face. And, like, this was the time where, like, his face was drenched in yolk. Like, it, it was just, <laughs> like... That's a word right there. How is he getting that New York Times money now? It's shit like that. That's good. That's that's it, Charlie. That was a good one. Drenched in yolk. <laughs> I almost spit all the water that was in my mouth. That was perfect oh, timing. God. Drenched in yolk. But seriously, like you watch that game and you're like, wow, the Flyers actually played pretty well. The problem is, is that they can't take full advantage of the fact that Columbus has only four healthy defensemen for the second half of the game because they, they no don't players. have because they don't have pure talent, and the pure talent that they could have had is playing for the other team, and they could have had him. He wanted to sign here, and they were just like, nah. And then you got to watch 60 minutes of why they needed exactly that. And the point I made in the column, and this is, this is kind of a follow-up to what you're saying, Bill, is that I am actually empathetic, because really the person who made the best case as to why the Flyers shouldn't have signed Johnny Goudreau, was not Chuck Fletcher. It was John Tortorella, and he did it about a month later, when after he got hired, when he was trying to defend, I think, Chuck Fletcher. And he basically said that we as a team right now are not ready to sign a Johnny Goudreau. And his point was that we need to instill the culture first. The team isn't that talented right now. Maybe in one, two, three years, we'll be ready to pursue a Goudreau type, but we're not there yet. And honestly, like, I I get that argument. I do get that because I I agree. I I don't don't think the Flyers are good enough right now. However, this is my thing. It's not every year that a superstar wants to come to your team. Yes. In fact, it's never. This was a perfect storm of the best free agent Actually went to free agency. Actually didn't re-up with his team, which is what usually happens. Yeah, and always. he And he had ties 
to this area, which also never freaking happens. It's Philadelphia, South Jersey. We're not exactly a hotbed of hockey superstars like if we were Toronto. We're like Mm -hmm. every superstar is from Ontario, basically. This was a one-time thing. And was it the perfect time for Johnny Goudreau to become available? No, it wasn't the perfect time in terms of the Flyers' timeline. But in two to three years, if the Flyers are better positioned to get a superstar, there is zero guarantee. In fact, the chances are pretty low that they will have the opportunity to get a superstar. So, yes, this may not have been the perfect time to get Johnny, but... Sometimes you just like it was a risk. It would have been a risk to sign Goudreau. It's just as big, if not a bigger risk, not to because at some point you're going to need to get a star. You're and going to need to get impact talent. And who knows if two, three, two, three years down the road you're going to have any chance to get one. Maybe you just get the guy and you figure it out. And that's like this is why and his reasoning. I understand him sticking up for the GM that just hired him. But here's why his reasoning is bullshit. One, well, we need to instill the culture. Why wouldn't you want your best player to be a part of that installation process? I don't know. Seems so he's, you go and get a superstar and then it's like, ah, oh, fuck, he doesn't fit our culture. Oh, well, uh, it was a waste. Or he's here from the beginning. Also, oh, well, let's get one in two to three years. I'm sorry. Was he signing a one-year contract? Would he not be mm-hmm. here in two to three years? Like, I realize, every, oh my, well, he turns 30 soon. Uh, does it, anyone can go at any time, like, especially in a contact sport, and he is undersized. So, it, does it look like he's slowing down? Like, did no. you watch these last two games against him? I, I don't see a precipitous drop. Like, we can look no further than Claude Giroux, who has, in 15 games... Oh, 17 points, including eight goals. Non-goal scorer Claude Giroux dominating. (laughs) (laughs) And Giroux's what? He'll be 35 in January? Um, You know, maybe just do it. I I, I get the reasoning, and they're not ready. They're not good. Also, well, our talent level's low. Yeah, that's why you go get another talented player. Like... (laughs) How do, how do we raise that? Like, I have a pitcher of water, and then the, the water's coming out of my sink, and I'm like, oh, no, empty. So thirsty. What do do? Like, <laughs> put it under there, and you fill it up. I, I just... Uh, all right, Steph, I go ahead. Because I'm lost now. I agree with yeah. you. It doesn't happen often that you and I are on the exact same page, but we are right here, right now. Write it down. Like, the... the the only, the only folks, we got thing, <laughs> like the only, the only thing that Chuck Fletcher could have done in that situation is change his fucking timeline. That's what you have to do. There's you have none. To change your timeline. There's no timeline period. To I was gonna say, what is the timeline now? I don't know what it is. Whatever, whatever timeline he had made up in his head, you need to change the timeline and you need to get oh. that player it never happened it literally never happens and do you know what we could have had instead of tony d'angelo running around south jersey playing with all of these youth the the youths we could have johnny goudreau running around south jersey and playing with all the youths just think of if you're gonna do the d'angelo thing if you're gonna do the d'angelo thing you could have had him for nothing a year ago you know just a thought well, another thing now, too that I thought that that I thought of, Bill, when you were on your earlier rant, is that 
the whole thing of like, well, we don't want to give up a first round pick or whatever. You know what they probably could have done? And like, I, I, on some level, I knew this, but like, it didn't really come together until a few, like about like 10, 15 minutes ago. Like, we agree that they probably could have gotten a first round pick had they traded Rasmus Ristolainen at the deadline. Yep. There's your first round pick. There it is. it is. It's right there. Ben Sherratt got a first-round pick. I think he probably could have gotten a first-round pick from someone who wanted that toughness and grit for their defense going in to the playoffs on an expiring contract. This you get that extra league, first, man. suddenly it's a lot easier to attach a first to James Van Riemsdyk to get rid of him because you've got another one instead of signing the bad defenseman to a five-year contract. Hmm. What a crazy idea, Charlie. What are you playing? Shell right now? Something that would actually happen. I just, they're so mismanaged. It's insane. It's, it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. And Charlie used the word incompetence. And I think I've mentioned this before when it comes, when it, years ago, when Ron Hextall allowed the Flyers to go into a season with Michael Neuvert and Brian Elliott as their two goaltenders. He called it incompetence because it was. Like, it absolutely was. We saw what it led to, and it was a nightmare. And it's the same thing. Chuck Fletcher not signing Johnny Goudreau, who very, very obviously wanted to come here and would have done anything to come here, here, to Philadelphia. And that's like... Incompetence, I can tell period. You, like, I, there's no other word for it. It's incompetence. I can tell you straight up. It's not rumor and innuendo. It's not like, well, maybe he wanted to come home. No. Johnny would have signed here 100%. He wanted to. He was disappointed badly that he didn't. Can, there's one thing that I do want to say about the Goudreau thing, because I don't know if you guys saw this on Twitter, but there was an ESPN story on Goudreau, and I laughed so hard yes. at this, where it was. The, it was his first game as a Blue Jacket against the Islanders. And apparently the Islanders fans booed him the entire game. And he mm-hmm. came off after his first shift and he's like, I don't know why they're booing me. The Islanders never once reached out to my agent. So funny. <laughs> it's so funny. Lou sucks so bad. It's so oh my bad. God. Every Islanders fan was convinced that they yeah. were in on Johnny Gaudreau. And I'm pretty sure it was reported. Yeah. A couple of places. I mean, honestly, that's the kind of thing where, like, sometimes the agent will report something like that to try to get, like, to try Mm -hmm. to pressure the team to get in. Like, oh, yeah, the Islanders are in. So then the Islanders fans get excited. And then he's like, oh, shit, maybe I should get it. That said, Lou ain't listening to anybody. He's Lou. Like, he literally doesn't give a shit about anything except what he wants. But it was real funny that, like, Islanders fans are like, Johnny, like, spurned us. He didn't want to come here. And Gutierrez like... I mean, I don't, I don't know if I would have wanted to come here, but the option was never there. They never had interest. That's he clearly wanted to come east, like he was done being in Podunk, Western Canada. Like he wanted mm-hmm. to come east more than anything, and so like all these teams in this area, like the Devils were in, the Islanders thought they were in. Like he ends up in fucking Columbus, which is Steph's <laughs> favorite city in the country, but nobody else's. Uh, <laughs> she rolls around. Listen, that's, that's Columbus it. is yeah. lovely. It really I'm is. Sure it I is. cannot speak for the rest of Ohio, but Columbus is lovely. I'm sure it's a tremendous place. Uh, you know what's way better? Philadelphia. Uh, Philadelphia. <laughs> Philadelphia is way better. I just I, way better. I, we've we've already hammered this home so much. Like it's been our main talking point of I'm. But like also, we were kind of led to believe everything of the previous two years was leading to him. Like yep. it all. I mean, it was. Maybe and I, then maybe, Chuck fucked it up. Maybe we were just connecting dots that we didn't need to. But uh, when you bring in all his friends, I don't know. 
seems like it was kind of the plan. I, I just, uh, whatever. I mean, from the Kevin Hayes I, side. I want to switch gears. One, when they got Kevin Hayes, I was like, okay, this is this is all part of the Goudreau master plan. Yeah. Maybe I built it up too much in my own mind. I don't want to do this much more because we've been doing it for months. But just seeing him up close over the last week, God damn it, man. Really, we don't have him how. I just want to switch gears for a quick yeah. second. Um, because you mentioned John Tortorella is the is towards the end of his coaching career and he was the win now coach. I've had this theory kind of bumping around in my brain. I think that John Tortorella was the hire to bring the Flyers back into relevancy. I don't think his end goal with the Flyers is head coach. I think that he's going to be a, a a part of the team, a part of the leadership group of the front office for a very long time. I like, so. I don't think that this is, this is like a five-year coaching stint for him. I think that he's going to stick around the team in any capacity that is appropriate for what he wants to do with his life and his career. I think that he's going to be here for a very long time. I'm ready to make him general manager just based off comment I'm, I'm and player usage. I'm ready to make him fucking president. <laughs> I'm obsessed with him. I mean, he can't be worse. Like, what's he going to be, worse? Like, uh, I'm glad, Can't be worse. I'm, I'm glad you brought up Tortorella because I wanted to get into him. First of all, I called him a senior citizen a moment ago. The man got kicked in the face by a horse and was behind the bench? What the fuck? Yeah, the so first let's period, talk about this real quick. I watched the first period of the game at the bar, like, on my phone because I didn't realize it was on Hulu when I decided to go to Quizzo with Ava last night. And then I was like, oh, fuck, this bar doesn't have Hulu. Uh, so I'm, like, on my phone with no sound watching the first period of the Flyers game. And I just see, like, did, did Tortorella and Tony, like, fight before the game? What happened? What is wrong? What happened to his face? And it, no, it wasn't, a, it wasn't a player on the team. He got kicked by a horse. So it's definitely in the shape of a hoof, okay. <laughs> but it's it's small. So it was either a a mini horse or a pony, or it was a it was like a graze, like a horse struck out at him, but didn't really make contact because it didn't really want to hurt him. Now I wasn't there, so I don't know. But look, I am a professional horse girl. I don't know if y'all know this, but I'm a professional horse girl. Horses have incredible. Um, control over their limbs. Like, if they want to kick you right in the face, they're going to kick you right in the face. If they want to miss by an inch, they're going to miss by an inch. So what I think happened, what I think happened is this was like a, hey, I don't like what you're doing. Please fuck off just for a second kind of kind of warning strike from a horse. It could be from a front leg or a back leg. But if you got kicked directly in the face where John Tortorella was, was where the mark was, and again, it's not a full hoof print, but if you got kicked full on from a full-size horse in the face where he was kicked, you would be dead. Yeah, a horse could cave in your skull. Like, that's brain damage at the very least. <laughs> right, but so this horse was not trying to hurt him. It was a... <laughs> Just fuck off for a second here. But I think it's hilarious that John Tortorella was like, yeah, I got kicked in the face. He's like, his face is all fucked up on the bench. It's like, yeah, this is what he's up to. But recently we've got, uh, you know, it's been a lot of, um, 
I've gushed over John Tour. I've I've been a big fan since he got here. I liked I liked the hire. It wasn't the guy I wanted, but I knew all along it was who they were going to get because it's the most flyer shit of all time. He was destined to be our coach one day, and the opportunity presented itself. Here he is. But we've gotten a lot more of the full Tortorella experience lately. Uh, I'm entertained by it. Something's got to entertain me on this team, and it ain't the players on the ice. Um, he left after a game. Uh, instead of talking to the media and when he was asked about it, he said, none of your fucking business. I don't think he said fucking business. I just think he said, that's none of your business. Um, he said, I don't give a shit what anyone thinks about us. And he sticks up for his team there. Uh, Mm -hmm. there's just been a lot of recent, you know, Tortorella stuff. Some real, like the stuff we see. Last night with his, uh, we suck. Yeah. What do you want them to do? I was going to say, did you guys hear that one? So good. (laughs) Yeah. So like, how are we feeling about Tort's? Right now, what are we, 15, uh, 16 games into the season, I think? I'm into it. 10 out of 10 stars. Yeah, no notes. I I get the sense that over the last week or so, as the team has started to lose, <laughs> yeah. that Tortorella is possibly, I think it's like 50-50 that he's frustrated, but also that he's intentionally trying to put the spotlight on himself. Take, yes, yes. In this order to take... Shit. He it, does that in order to, and he does it really well to take the pressure off the team because he is like, look, the fact of the matter is, is that the minute that John Tortorella got hired, he became the face of the Flyers. Yeah. Yep. Claude Drew was the face of the Flyers for years. He was. He was who you thought of when you thought Philadelphia Flyers. Well, Drew's gone. Sean Couturier, even before we knew he was going to miss a lot of the season, if not all of it. He's a very good player. He's not like a face of a team. He's not type a franchise player. player. No, he's yeah. not that. The yeah. minute that John Tortorella got hired, he became the face of this organization. You know it even just by the video that they show in pregame at every Flyers game now, where like they line up, they you know they show all the players, and it's like everybody's got their headshot. The video closes. It opens with John Tortorella's voice, and it closes with John Tortorella's face. They know that John Tortorella is the marketing tool. He is the face of the organization. And I think this week just struck me as like him really trying to pull out a lot of tricks to make it so we're talking about torts. Talking about torts, not talking to the media. We're talking about torts, you know, being snippy at a reporter. We're talking about torts, you know, saying we suck. Like, yeah, some of that is just in the moment frustration, but I do think there is probably a bit of calculation there that, like, if they're talking about me doing these torts things, they're not talking about the team on a four-game losing streak. Playing 40 chess, getting himself kicked in the face by a horse. That was actually, uh, that that was a setup, actually. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) He had a whole conversation with the horse, and he was like, listen, just 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 a little bit, let them talk about this. Oh my um, I, I fully, I fully agree. Like he is the face of the flyers right now. Um, and he is, he is so good. He is so good at turning the attention to himself as opposed to the shit play on the ice. Even if what he's saying is we suck. The story is John Tortorella is saying the flyers suck, not the flyers yes, suck gave up. Not however the, many the shots. sucking isn't the story. It's him saying we suck. Yep. It's him yeah. saying that they yep. suck. Now, I have to tell you just like a little a little personal anecdote about John Tortorella because like the the man is always going to be to me bigger than the coach. Um and I've I've mentioned the horse rescue fervivors on here before. <laughs> Bill and I went through a whole thing whether horses have fur or hair. It was a whole thing. Um 
John Tortorella, once he heard, I, I did connect with him about this 300 rescue. 300 episodes of this. <laughs> 300 episodes. Fur versus um, hair. Fur versus hair. And, and bears versus sharks. And, you know, we've been doing this a very long time. I'll fight a wolf. Um, he found out that about survivors we connected about it and his first reaction was to look into his personal stable to see if he had room for these rescue horses like that was his first reaction like he's a good man and he's super fun and entertaining to cover i like literally no notes i'm so excited that that this is the personality that we have that we have to cover i don't care i don't care about the team right now we know that they're not going to be good but this is what we're covering. I think it's awesome. And one, now one that, thing I, like, one okay, thing I will say, and this is something that, like, I, so I was not on the road trip to Columbus, the one where he did not speak to the media. That would have been last Thursday. So I was not there. My company did not pay for me to go on that trip. And I was not one of the people that he snubbed. Now, not, not, whatever. It was a weird thing for me because I don't think that was right for him to do for a lot of reasons and it's tough for me to say that without feel without seeming like i'm like the whiny media person because it's gonna it's it's gonna affect you and people are gonna be well who cares about the media and it's like it is your fucking job like well so here's here's the thing number one and this to me is really the most important thing is like look this is a reality of of sports media right now is that companies aren't doing that great like Newspapers aren't doing that great. Basically, every company in the industry is not doing that great. And because of that, writers are getting their budgets cut. This is just happening. This is happening all around. Well, the two writers that went on that trip, Olivia Reiner and Gianna Han, the writers for the Inquirer, they were the two that were there that, that traveled. Part of the reason why the Inquirer pays for them to travel is with the assumption that they're going to get comments from the coach after the game. Yeah. And if the coach doesn't talk... The Inquirer is going to start being like, well, why are we paying for you to go out there in the first place if you're not getting comments from the coach? And it just it was it was kind of a dick move there. Like so, a couple of people were like, well, would you rather him just go up there and yell? It's like, yes, yes, yeah. much, much rather much more because because at <laughs> least you're saying, yeah, like you're saying something. <laughs> and the fact of the matter is, is like, look, it, it is a little bit it, it rubs me the wrong way that. He his big thing is about accountability. You know, I hold players accountable. Yep. I hold players accountable when they play poor when they play poorly. John Tortorella went back to his old city where he used to coach a team. The team lost, and John Tortorella was, chose not to be accountable. And my my thing was that the reason why I didn't I, I didn't go hard on criticizing Tortorella for blowing off the media last Thursday is because to be quite honest with you, he didn't give an explanation. And I wasn't sure if he had a really good reason for it. Like he may if, have. If we, if, if we would have found out that, like, oh, he found out when he came off the ice that like his kids in the hospital, like, or something, like that's a good reason to not want to talk to the friggin' media about a hockey game. And I wasn't going to assume that it was definitely just that, like, he was ticked off the team loss and didn't feel like talking. Now he has still not revealed why he didn't want to talk. The longer that goes, the more I assume that he was just pissed off and didn't want to talk to the media. But, like, like, okay, you do that once. If this becomes a thing, it's going to be real frustrating. Like, if your team loses, I'm sorry, you should talk about it. 
Like, you should. And it is an accountability thing. Like, I guess you didn't do a good enough job coaching, so you should be up there explaining why you didn't do a good enough job coaching and your team lost. No, again, I wasn't there, just like you weren't there. And I've been pretty offline dealing with my own nervous breakdown. But my read on the situation was that something happened and he didn't want to talk about it. Like, th- that was my and, read on the situation. Like, something happened personal to him and he just didn't want and, to talk and if, about it. And if that's the case, then I totally understand that. And I don't even want him to – I don't think he, he owes us, like, a detailed explanation. But if he would have just said via Flyers PR – I'm not willing to talk. I'm dealing with a family situation. That's fine. No further questions. Totally understand. But when you give them nothing at all, then the the obvious assumption is that you were just ticked off your team loss. And like, yeah, totally. Yeah, that's, that's the thing is to follow it up with none of your business. All right, that's your prerogative to say that. But now people are going to like come up with their own reasons. And listen, it yeah. doesn't even have to be like kid in the hospital. Uh, right now, if Ava called me and said I have a flat tire, Bill's part on this show ends. I'm going to her. Like that's the uh, you. You guys can do whatever you got to do, but I'm gonna go deal with what I have to deal with. So I, if it's anything like that, understood. But since there's no explanation, but at the end of the day, this isn't the biggest deal. It's a one and a half day story, and it goes yeah, away. Yeah. If it be, if it becomes more regular, if he just after a loss, he's like fuck this. Well, that is a lack of accountability, and suddenly there is a little bit to, uh, like, oh, is is he practicing everything he preaches and yeah, all that exactly. stuff? So it's it's something to keep an eye on, but the, they were in the place he used to coach, any number of things. Like, he, he got real tired. I actually was very appreciative of how annoyed he got at the Columbus questions. Like, oh, you're going back to Columbus, and after, like, the third time he said, I'm, not, I'm focused on the game, and the questions kept coming, he was like, <laughs> I'm done with this. Like, I told you I'm not going to talk about that. So and I was really, I was, I found that entertaining. But I, I guess it's just something to watch out for. But I yeah, don't think yeah. it's, like, a story more than it happened, and that's that. I would agree. I would agree. The one thing I will say, though, is that, like, as much as he it was one of those, like, he doth protest too much, like, as much as he was saying, like, I don't care, the Columbus thing doesn't matter, like, if you blew off the media after the loss, I'm pretty sure it mattered a lot to you, buddy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's, the, that's the other part. Like, all those things together, it's like, you really wanted this one, didn't you? Yeah, you uh, really wanted like, this one. <laughs> yeah, and so... All right, but again, we're going to be left to just kind of assume since we got no explanation on any of it at all. Like from beginning to end, he gave us nothing. So we're, I'm not just going to forget. Like This is what we're thinking about. All right. Um, I want to interrupt oh, with ahead. another little commercial break from Steph Driver. Uh, Gianna and I'm blanking Olivia. on her name, but I know her. Olivia. Olivia um, have been doing a really good job. Really like, good. The Inquirer's yeah, coverage really is great. Job. They've been doing a really good job replacing Sam, who is now Sam Carcitti, taking pictures of his TV with his cell phone and using them in his article. Sam Carcitti. That's awesome. That's the dream. I just needed, I needed to say it. Gianna and Olivia are amazing. No, They're uh, doing a really huge good job. Upgrade. And Sam, Slam and Sammy. Doing his thing. Sam Sam's living the dream. I will say, like, I subscribe to two things. Uh, it's the Athletic and the Inquirer, and it's both for their Flyers coverage. They're uh, they're excellent. Um, so the Flyers are a team. They play a sport called hockey. Uh, no, they do. The Flyers. I mean, they try. Yes, it's, it somewhat resembles it. It's like football and uh, 
and rugby. Like, it's kind of the same. Uh, so the Flyers have played 16 games. Is this right? In eight of them, they've trailed 2 nothing. Did I hear that yeah. right? Yeah. They, they sure How's that have. fucking possible? <laughs> well, you see, Bill. <laughs> They're not very good. They're not very uh, good. But they've come back to tie five of those eight, which is impressive, I guess. It is impressive. Uh, not falling behind to nothing would be more impressive, but mm-hmm. they are a team that, that fights. Uh, they, they are a team that continues to play. And we know we all know about that. You know, the most dangerous lead in hockey is two goals. <laughs> Clearly, it's been an issue for other teams to maintain on the Flyers. Uh, so Tortorella said, we find a way to get a point. I just, our starts, we need to find a way to figure out our starts. Now we talked earlier in reminiscing about these 300 or so episodes about how all the talking points are somehow the same. (laughs) (laughs) It's not the same guys anymore. Giroux and Voracek and Simmons and Shen, all those guys are fucking gone. They still are just a horrible team at the start of games. I feel like that's just a thing with a lot of hockey teams. Like I know that was a thing with Toronto for a if while bad, at the start of this like, year. Yeah, but they're like really, but they're really good. Toronto's and good. El- yeah, and their fans were complaining that they were, you know, coming out of the gate like shit every game, and so it was, you know, it becomes a problem. Toronto fans I- complaining? Well, I never. I know it's wild. <laughs> I I kind of wonder if that's. Not just one of those, like, things that you say. Because there are so many of them in hockey. Where it's like, I mean, really, the problem is the entire 60 minutes. Sure, but, but they're giving up goals early. And they're giving up the first goal a lot. And they're giving up the first two goals in 50% of their games. I kind of want to look into now how many how many teams give up the first goal how many times. I bet Micah can do this. I think there is probably an element to this of, like, it sticks in your head more once you've created the narrative. It's like the idea that, like, every single fan base thinks that their team gives up the most first goals a player has ever scored, that it's always against their team. And it's because it's when, a player, when a player does that, you remember it because it's real annoying. Now, this I agree. I mean, in eight of them, they've, they've trailed to nothing. Yes. Yes, that has been a thing this year. But my guess is that, like, the Flyers historically, like, I might say historically, I mean, like, over the last, like, six, seven, eight years, like, I don't think they are significantly worse at starts relative to their talent level than, like, other teams are. It's just that they haven't been good for a while, so bad teams tend to have bad starts, and we remember that because we get frustrated because they go down early and it sticks in our heads because it's annoying when a team goes down early. I would say, like, like the 15 to 18 era when they were okay like, they were just an okay team, bubble playoff, wild card. They should probably get to the wild card because they have Giroux and Couturier and all those guys. Like, mm-hmm. those teams did start poorly. It, it, yeah. it was a thing. Seasons re- and games. But if you remember last season, they if I remember correctly, they weren't that bad in first periods. It was the second periods when things would really yeah. fall apart oh, last yeah. year. Oh, yeah, they were, like, minus a million in the second period. Yeah, and, like, we don't remember that, like, oh, they actually weren't that bad in first periods yeah. last year because we're all just so mad at how bad they it's, were the rest of the game. It's just very <laughs> funny that, like, it's been such a consistent, like, they've start, started so many seasons poorly and had to fight their way back. And, like, That's fighting true. back and fighting back in games was, like, a hallmark of the Giroux era. 
Like they that's why they got so many goddamn loser points. Because so many of their fucking games went to overtime. Well it that and constant. they can't win shootouts. Yeah, and they're horrible shootouts too. So but like it was always seeming it was a team that was constantly fighting back, and you're fighting back because you're trailing, and like that's continuing. Uh but I how much does anyone like have shit to do? Because I have other stuff I want to get into, and we spent a lot of time on like the reminiscent I can, part. I can keep going. All right. Um, so the inevitable inevitable has happened. Wade Allison is on IR. He's out three weeks uh, with an oblique muscle strain and hip pointer. Now, I mean not to make light of this. I want the dude to have a great career because he's a Philadelphia Flyer and also a human being. But man, always hurt. Like, the maybe the best example of guys who get hurt all the time get hurt all the time. This dude just can't play multiple games in a row. It's, it's fucking insane how often he's hurt. From college all the way through his professional career. I think with him it's a combination of, I do think there is bad luck here. I, I absolutely believe that. But it is also the, it's the way he plays. Like, yeah. it is the way he plays. Like, I made this point about the game he got hurt in, which I believe was Saturday. I think it was Saturday was the game he got hurt in. That happened at the end of the second period. He injured himself on a hit. This is the end of the second period. That was his seventh hit of the game. Like, he just plays this chaotic, you know, Chaos. crash and bang yeah. style. He does. He's always fallen down. He's like the next Scott Hartnell. Like, his style lends itself to getting bumps and bruises and possibly something worse. Like, you break down that hit, like, he threw that hit in a very, like, reckless way. Not in the sense of, like, being reckless to hurt the other guy, but being reckless to hurt himself. Out like, of control a, of his body. Like It was a very awkward-looking hit, and it was kind of like when you slowed it down, you're like, no wonder why you got hurt. That was just a weird hit. And that might just be him. And the thing with Wade Allison is, like, I don't know if that's, like, is it annoying? Yes. It's annoying that he might always miss time. If he's effective in his minutes, I don't really care that much if you can only trust him for 50 to 60 games a year. Like, he's, he's not, it's not like we're talking about a superstar here. We're not talking about a guy who, like, yeah. he's going he's going to get, you know, a $9 million contract, but you're going to be paying him, you know, to sit on IR for for a month and a half a season. Like, he'll be a useful middle six winger who brings legitimately good elements when he plays. You just know, and you hopefully can account for this in contract negotiations, that he's going to miss 20 games a year because that's just what he does. And, like, I'm okay with that. It just it lowers his value as a player. But as long as he's still valuable in the games he's playing, you just deal with it. I just, I enjoy watching him play. Yeah, and I, I want to see. I want to see him play more. The thing that, like, I always said... It, Oh, wow, yeah, Mike Richards got addicted to painkillers. Can't believe it, playing the way he played at his size. It's not like Wade Allison's huge, but 6'2", like I feel like he should be able to absorb a little bit more than he does. Like, Mike Richards was 5'10", 5'11", sub 200, and, you know, played like, played like a fucking bully out there. Uh, I, I just... I feel like, I don't know. I guess it is just bad luck. It's just bad luck. It, it, as I said, it's bad luck in combination with the way he plays. And, you know, the struggle with Wade Allison, and I've had this conversation with people in the organization, and they acknowledge that, like, this is the push-pull, is that 
they've told him, they've had multiple conversations with him to just like, let's find a better balance because you're effective, but you do get hurt too much. Let's try to find a better balance of like some plays maybe don't go, you know, balls to the wall into that corner because is it really worth it? But the push pull of it is if you take too much of that away, that's what makes him good. Then he's not effective. So you're like, like, can that balance even be found with a player like that? And I'm not sure. I'm not sure if if he if he tried to tone it down to eighty percent, if he would still be good, or if then he would just be, you know, a, a, a quad A AHLer because Wade Allison eighty percent isn't worth a shit. So it's it's a really tough thing because his recklessness and his chaotic sense of of style or whatever that's part of what makes him effective it's a big part of what makes him effective and it's tough to try to take that away in increments because at some point he just becomes a shell of himself and then it's like well you might as well let him go balls to the wall because that's the only way he could be good and like making that determination like well on some plays maybe don't like that's that's fine to say in theory yes when do you decide what those plays are like okay, right. this is the in one real I take. Time. This is the one yeah. I take it easy. Like okay, but I see the puck and I want to score a goal, so I I, I shouldn't. Like I, I always said this. Like another uh, famous redhead Philadelphia athlete, um, Carson Wentz. Like his body just couldn't take the beating, but his chaotic style. He needed to play like Steve McNair. He just like physically couldn't uphold to that beating. And yeah, now he's yeah. ineffective because his fucking, yeah. like he's been hurt a million times. Uh, like it's, you just can't take it out of them. It's what makes them good. It's a bummer. I hope he's only out three weeks. It's not like he had a season ending injury. Uh, hopefully he comes back sooner than later. Uh, but like last season alone, Allison sprained his ankle in training camp, injured his elbow in December, then tours MCL in January during his flyer season debut. Like Yeah, that was rough. This seems impossible that this guy's been hurt this many times. It's like he's the fucking uh the, the knight in uh you know the funny oh, guy. Monty Python. Yeah, Monty yeah. Python the funny guy. You know what I'm talking about. Funny guy. The funny guy. Uh but Max Wilman's back. So <laughs> Yeah, Yay. that's like that, so, I, I, I still haven't watched the game last night because I was watching the yeah. Boston College game and Cutter Gautier. I'll probably watch much, that Charles. like later tonight or tomorrow. Before the before the puck drops for the Boston game, I will watch the Columbus game from, from Tuesday. But Max Willman, like we're talking about quad A guys, like he really is just a guy. This just is just a guy. And this is one of those Broad Street hockey bread and butter topics, why this guy over that guy, but um Wilman is nearly 28. His only career NHL action before last night was the uh, 41 games with a horrible Flyers team last year. Didn't he have he like three f- points in 41 games or something? It was something, something ridiculous. Like, like he just he, never scored. He's not he was good. a fifth round pick eight years ago. What's the point of this? Like, yeah, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, not saying, I'm not saying we're chock full of talent, but when an Ollie Likesell almost makes the team, what. Why not find out about a guy who might show you something over a guy who you know won't? You know he's not going to surprise you. Maybe you call someone up and they're a total bust. Good, now you found out. Move on to the next guy. Like, let's, if not for evaluation, what are we doing here? And that's that's what makes the whole timeline argument so maddening to me. Well, we're going to bring up steady veterans. All right, that means you're trying to compete rather than evaluate, which, why isn't Goudreau here? But we already covered that, so Wilman. 
I mean, you answered your own question because all of these guys would rather what they know is bad rather than what might be good or bad. Like, they don't like not knowing. So they know what Max... God, I almost said Wax Millman. They know what (laughs) Max Willman is. And so they know exactly what they're going to get. And that's better in their little pea brains than trying to figure out where they stick a guy like Lixell, who they don't know what he is. Well, to me, the bigger thing wasn't even Lixell. It was the fact... I mean, like... Max Willman was not called up because of the Wade Allison injury. They just slid Kiefer Bellows in for Wade Allison. That's fine. Give that guy a look. He was called up He's because up they Lizinski. sent down yeah. they sent down Tanner Lazinski, who like I would I would much rather let Lazinski, even if he's, look, he's getting forward line minutes. My suspicion is, is that they sent Lazinski down because they're like, let's give you 20 minutes in the AHL for a few weeks. Then you'll probably get recalled if you've scored some points and you've looked good. Like, I understand that to a degree. And I think Willman, like the Flyers have been pretty good on the forecheck recently before the we suck, we're not forechecking comment last night from Tortorella. So I guess they weren't doing that in the first period. Willman can skate. He is definitely a faster skater than Lazinski. And maybe Tortorella was like, I need some speed guys if we're going to try to play this forechecking style. So get me the fastest guy down there. And Willman probably is the fastest NHL ready guy down there. But like, I would have rather than just kept Lazinski up because like, I think he's got, I don't think he's going to be a star by any means, but I think he could be like, you know, a good third liner. And I'd like to see him just continue to work through his, you know, learning curve in the NHL. It's not something I I got too angry about because I, but I do, I do agree that like Wilman to me is a non-entity in terms of the future. Like he's an injury call up. That's what he is. He's a guy who you could call him up for a few games if a bunch of guys get hurt and he's not going to kill you. But like, he's, he's not the special. He's just a dude. So we did get, I guess, some good news. Like Atkinson looks like he's gonna be doing some doing some things, but Bobby Brink's doing stuff too. That's I forgot all about Bobby Brink, and he's a guy well, that I'm, was really so excited to see at yeah. some point this year. <laughs> but that makes sense. So his timeline always was December. He could be yeah, he could be back in games by like late December, early January. So him skating more yeah. does make sense. It's just good to hear that he's like apparently still on his timeline. Because how many times recently have we seen guys get a timeline and then not actually, you know, progress according to that timeline? Just quite happy to know he still has arms and legs, quite honestly. Yeah, like, it's, I see it's him out there. Great news. All of his body parts are attached. That's wonderful you to love, see. Now, I, I, haven't conf- I haven't confirmed this about Atkinson, but circumstantial evidence does seem to imply that he is in Columbus. Like, that that is well, just because, like... They, they said that, didn't they did, say? Did, did they did they say that on the broadcast? I believe they did say on the broadcast that Cam Atkinson has been in Columbus. Okay, because, I mean, the two times he's appeared at Skates have been the two games in Columbus. Uh, so Yeah, my, I think he's there, which seems bad. Yeah, so my guess That's is that great, whatever man. he's doing, he's working through it in Columbus, which is where, like, he's based, so I get it. But also, like... That doesn't seem to bode well for a quick return to action. When it's he's not like just, he's skating at the facility. Yeah, he's just straight up away from the team. That's, yeah. Like, we're not, we're not doing the Ryan Ellis thing where it's like, oh, actually, he hates everybody. I'm not saying that. It, but, it, yeah, it doesn't bode well if he's not with the team. Although, I will say, for him, 
Uh, being treated by Noctis medical staff, probably the best, <laughs> Good, probably I the best way to go. That factors into the decision. I would, yeah, when everyone in the last however long you've been here that's been hurt never has come back, I'd be like, I got, I got my own guys. I, yeah, I, I'll, I I'll see you when I'm ready. I'll, I'll call you. You know. Not only have they not come back, but they've required additional surgeries. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, we've boy. had conversations on whether or not they're living. Uh, like, <laughs> still um, unclear to be honest with you the funniest the funniest of all news that i saw this week and patrick brown's on an ahl conditioning stint so hey they have someone whose job description is center maybe that'll help at some point <laughs> but it's around. fucking it's patrick brown so whatever um <laughs> artem anisimov and joined I'm the so phantoms you're bringing this up. he yeah. joined the phantoms on an ahl pro tryout he is going to play for the Flyers this 100% year. One hundred percent. away. I would bet my life that he's in a Flyers jersey at some point this season. Like there is not a doubt in my before mind. Christmas, probably. Before I don't know why he would still be here if he wasn't yeah. eventually going to play for the team. Yeah, he's one hundred percent a part of the plan. Chuck's grand plan. The big plan that's going to bring us into a new era of Flyers greatness with Anisimov. Patrick Brown. Starring Patrick Brown and Artem Anisimov. That's what's missing, fam. Once we get those guys back, we're going to be all set. So, uh, other other news down on the farm. Cam York has five points in his last three games, 11 shots on goal in his last four, nine points in 11 overall. This has to happen soon, right? I need to understand, and maybe maybe Charlie can help me understand. I I'll need try. to understand <laughs> what the f- like. I I understand that we were doing a little punishing. We were doing a little. You have a shitty attitude. Go down there, work your shit out, and then we'll bring you back up. What are we hanging on to Nick Sealer for? Like, he scored. How He's is staying. Cam York not up here yet? I mean, I can give you my theory, and End this is. It. My theory is that, and I've already expressed this on this show, like, John Jordarell has basically said, like, look, there's an element of these call-ups that, like, you know, Chuck obviously has, you know, he's the general manager, he makes the final decision, I say the type of player that I want, but we rely upon the coaches down in the AHL to tell us who's playing the best. Why? Ian LaPerriere, as I've noted, is not a fan of Cam York. So I do not think Ian LaPerriere is, like, oh. advocating for Cam York to get a call-up. Like, if this is If the you're case, wondering why the organization doesn't function. Ian LaPerriere. <laughs> no, that's... For fuck's sake. Like, if this is the case, and, like, we put so much stock in the Ian LaPerriere, which appears to be the case because, like, look at what's going on for the last decade. Uh, if Ian LaPerriere has this kind of say, they need to trade Cam York right now. Like yes. if, if they like if he doesn't think he's any good, then they need to cut fucking bait and get something for this first round pick that could have been Cole Caulfield. He, I mean, if Cole Caulfield was still here, do you think Aaron, Ian Laperriere would like him? He'd still be down there too, getting oh, fourth line minutes for nope. the fucking Phantoms. <laughs> I just, yeah, I mean, the problem is the problem is the organization. The problem yeah. is not the player. No, that's maybe the problem is the player, but at this point. I just don't see a reason. Like, we need to know about Cam York. We don't need to know about Nick Sealer. 
if they're ever going to take a step forward, it's going to be with some of these guys. Not a lot of them. Most of these guys aren't very good. But we need to know which ones are and aren't. I think York will get called up in the relatively near future. I just, just think that, like, it's not... It's going to have to be... what. It, here's the thing. It's going to have to be Chuck Fletcher or it's going to have to be John Torrell. It's going to have to be Chuck Fletcher saying, okay, this is my first draft pick I, I drafted. I want him up in the NHL. Or it's going to have to be John Torrell saying, we need some fucking puck movers. Get me Cam York. I know I was frustrated in camp, but I know he can skate and move the puck. It's not going to be because Ian LaPerriere calls up Chuck Fletcher and says, hey, this kid's ready. Call him up because God. Ian LaPerriere does not like Cam York that much. What a fucking idiot. Oh, it's just tremendous. It truly is. I'm, I'm going to just be honest with you. Your brain gets a little fucky when you get hit in the face with a puck. Who, Maybe uh, you shouldn't make important decisions. I was at the game on Saturday against Ottawa. Kelly, you were there too. I can't remember. I Who was. got hit in the face? Who got hit in the face blocking the shot? Shit, who was that? I don't, I, regardless. I don't remember. I was just like, this is what happens when Ian LaPerriere has this much to do with the organization. <laughs> but it was like a deflection. Oh, it God. didn't like, he didn't yeah, go didn't down to his knees and stand directly in front of it with his face. Like, no. LaPerriere did twice in one season. But uh, it, it did like glance and hit him. And I was like, of course this happened. Uh, Charlie, it's very- I remember oh. this too. And I don't yeah. remember which human being it was. It, what is- I'm going to guess it was Wade Allison because that kind of shit would happen to him. Um... <laughs> no, I feel like it was a, it was a youth, which Wade Allison is. But I feel I guess like not. Wade Allison's like twenty five. Like that's the yeah. Thing. He's not that young anymore. He's not that young. He just never plays because he's hurt. <laughs> and it's really bothering me that I can't remember who it was. But alas, here we are. All right. So the last thing I wanted to get to today, and I didn't know Charlie was up in Boston, so this is kind of fortuitous. Uh, Cutter Gautier, um, eighteen year old freshman, has six goals, three assists in his first eight games with Boston College. He leads BC in goals and points a game at 1.13. Time for the, tied for the team lead in points uh, with two other guys. One of them's a junior forward. Uh, that freshman defenseman, undrafted. Maybe look at him who leads co-leader in that team in points. Uh, how excited should we be about maybe this kid actually being a star? Um, he looks good. So I obviously watched the game last night. I don't want to give away the goods because yeah, I'm working on a feature. So I'm not, thing, but a little I'm not going to tell you the whole thing. What I will say is that the last four games he's played, it's really, it seems like it's really starting to come together for him. Um, he has, I believe it's 22 shots on goal in his last four games. So he's basically got two games with six shots on goal, two games with five shots on goal. He had this beautiful snipe of a goal last night, which was gorgeous. I will say this, last night, like, the first 20 minutes, the first period that he played, he was by far the best player on the ice. I he saw you dominant. tweeted this, yeah. He was absolutely dominant, <clears throat> and it was like, oh shit, this kid's going to be real good. Then the final two periods, they didn't have the puck as much, he didn't really assert himself as much. I don't think he played bad, and the coach was happy with how he played defensively, but... You sort of saw you saw the rawness there where it's like, man, if he could do what he did in the first period for three periods, holy shit, this kid's going to be good. So you can see when you watch him, like, why they're so excited. I think he's going to have a real strong finish to the rest of this college season. And yeah, I think he's got to be excited about. The thing that's interesting about him is that he's back playing center. He's doing well in that regard. But he is at center. He's yeah, he's at center. Yes, I, okay. that will be also be in the cool. piece. The explanation there, but cool. 
he's definitely more of a shooter. Like he is yeah. a shoot first guy. And it's interesting because centers are usually more playmakers. He doesn't seem like he's going to be, at least right now, he's not a guy who's like setting up his line mates. He's awesome. the shooter. And it's going to be interesting to see how that works. Not that it can't be done. I mean, like Steven Samkos, great sniper. He's a center. Jeff Carter, we watched him. He was a center. But like those guys do tend to be more likely to end up at wing. Now, he, could he be a hell of a goal-scoring winger, too? Sure, but you draft a guy fifth overall, you kind of want him to be a center. So I think that's going to be the big thing. And like, this team I has those centers. I came away from, from last night's game thinking to myself, like, this kid's going to be good. I came away from this game being like, I don't know if he's going to be a center, but he's going to be a good player. I hope that he can be a center. You know what I mean? That's where I'm at with Gautier right now. I think he's going to be a good player. There's just too much there. When when he's really on, where you're like, shit, this kid could could dominate. Would you rather have that coached out of him so that he could be a center, or would you rather he maintained that style of play and was a winger? I mean, I would I, rather the, I would rather the second, but I mean, I would go back with that. Why not both? You know. Well, I would say why not both, of course, but I have a feeling that the Flyers would not say why not both on that i don't i mean they don't strike me as an organization that would foster that they picked kind of him selfish yeah they, they picked him they picked him like, yeah someone and, has and, to and score eventually yeah someone has to, be, to shoot the puck and score it yeah and to be clear like the flyers allegedly to be honest over the last like three four years have very much been emphasizing in their acquisitions guys who are shoot first i mean you look at it yeah. like who who have they drafted recently they drafted tyson forrester he's a shoot first guy they drafted samu to amal who's looking like he very well might be a bust but he was a shoot first guy then they went for cutter Gauthier. he's a shoot first guy they traded for cam Atkinson. they claim keeper bellows you know they're they, they they traded for owen tippett like they're very clearly trying to unearth sniper type players like that is obviously an organizational focus. No, it's, so I don't think they're going to try to coach it out of them. I really don't. I just don't know if it's going to translate to center. You know what I mean? It's, a, it's very important that they went out and made these decisions now that Claude Giroux is 35 and no longer part of the organization. <laughs> I'm very happy that one of the best passers in the history of the fucking game never got a sniper. Like, all of our goal scorers were like, guys who stand in front of net and get hit with it and like and then it bounces <laughs> off of them in and now we're going to we're going to actually focus on someone who can have the puck on his stick and shoot it from more than 3 feet away and put it in the net like that's the thing he had that one uh that uh highlight backhand goal on like the rush that everyone saw on Twitter all of his other goals have as far as i've seen been from distance and it's like hard to really judge a shot with college hockey sometimes because like the camera angles are like it's there's a the really one good shot. there's the one hard camera and you can't really see. Yeah. But he's consistently beating goalies from distance, and that's exciting. No, his his shot pops. It's got velocity. He can put it where he wants it. No, he's he's got an NHL caliber shot right now. That's cool. One thing that I did find funny, and this is all stuff that just like pops in my head while you're talking, Bill. Where you're talking about like it's funny they did they got they they prioritize this with Claude Drew on the way out. It's also funny how like. You know, the guy they got back for Claude Giroux would look would real nice on, on yeah. a line oh. with Claude Giroux. <laughs> like, 
maybe you put him in that Braden Shen, Sean Couturier, Scott yeah. Hartnell spot on the power play and just let let Giroux feed him <laughs> like some one timers. Uh, just a thought. Um, did anyone know? That the AAA team Cutter Gauthier played for through his early teens was called Honey Baked because I didn't, and now I, I did know more. that. <laughs> but yeah, but it is pretty funny. <laughs> did not know that. What I was going to say baked. that sounds extremely relevant to Steph Driver's interests. I'm sorry. What <laughs> Honey Baked? <laughs> the honey, the Honey Baked, the Honey Baked Hams. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, I just I saw that last night on Elite Prospects, and it made me laugh. All right, do we have anything else? That's no, a pretty pretty good 300 show, I think. I think so. Is everyone going to be able to do the live at 7 tonight? I probably yeah, will not. 7.30? I put 7.30 just because right. I figured I'd give you a little buffer. All right, that's fine. All right, cool. All right, we're good? I think so. Right. We're good. And that is all the time we have for you on this very special 300th episode of Broad Street Hockey Radio. Thank you all for listening. Thank you for hanging out for these 300 episodes. And... I don't plan on going anywhere. As long as Steph doesn't fire me, I plan on doing 300, 500 more. So whatever. Uh, we're just going to keep going I here. I don't plan to do that anytime soon. So if you want to catch those episodes and you haven't already done it, well, all you got to do, search Broad Street Hockey wherever you find podcasts and boom. Content, baby. 300 episodes of this show, all the checking out the competitions, post games, fly perbolies, everything you could want and more. Just... Follow our podcast. All right, that's it for me. Uh, for Steph, for Kelly, for Charlie, my name is Bill Matz. Have a great week, everybody. Are you ready to talk about it?